Where did I go wrong? I didn't deserve this. God, why are you doing this to me? These are statements that oftentimes people use when they are suffering. We want life to work right. We want it to be predictable and and orderly and obedient to the rules. And the rules are simple, right? If we live right, then good things will happen to us, right? But if we live poorly, then there will be consequences to those actions. A little fairness is all that we ask for. That's all that we want in this life, things to be just a little fair. And we want to harness the the principle of decency and morality and make life work for us. And if it doesn't, then someone somewhere has blown it. Either I did, or they did, or God did. That's what we think. This is the idea that leads most of our life, isn't it? We, we think that life ought to be fair. And then we get to define what fair is and what fair isn't. Right? That's what we think. And it's not until the rug gets pulled out from underneath our feet that we begin to realize that life isn't fair. It just really isn't. When good people, like me, end up suffering, then we think that that things are out of whack. And we wonder, where's justice? Where's order? And, And even where is God at those times? We think, man, does justice and order or even God himself even exist? If me, being a good person, is going through bad things. And the reality is he does exist. It's just oftentimes we have a hard time seeing how God is working in and moving through our lives and in this situation. We uh, struggle to see how God is using the persecutions and the sufferings and the hardships that we are facing in our lives as metal detectors for character. Suffering really shows what lies beneath the surface of our faith. Suffering shows what lies beneath the surface of our faith. After all, any two-bit fraud can have a counterfeit faith when things are going well, but what about when everything's falling apart? You see, when everything's falling apart, that's when true faith is shown through. Suffering is the difference between wearing the jersey and playing the game, right? Fans wear the jersey, but players, they shed the blood. So God reminds us to not be surprised when suffering takes place. We see this all throughout scripture. And despite what many other people who claim to be preachers of the gospel say, suffering is God's MO for following him. If we are a follower of Jesus, then guess what? If Jesus suffered, we can expect the same. And just because we have faith doesn't mean that we won't suffer. 
or does it mean that things won't go well? You see, suffering is God's standard MO for faith development. And when it comes to building people, there is nothing like pain. God used prison to make his final preparations for Joseph's future life and service and leadership. And it was the darkest period of Joseph's life, but it's this dark period that would give way to the light to come. And so today, we're going to learn from Joseph once again how to develop principles for suffering successfully when hardships come our way. Not if they come our way, but when they come our way. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to Genesis chapter 39. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We would love to give you a copy of uh, God's Word. If you don't own one, please take one as a gift from us. But we're going to be in Genesis chapter 39. If you're looking for it, it's the very first book of the Bible. So just open up the first couple pages and go to chapter 39. And we're going to pick up kind of where we left off last week in Genesis 39. And we're going to start there in verse 20. Genesis 39, verse 20. It says, Joseph's master, that was Potiphar, as we saw last week, took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. I want you to remember those few words right there. The Lord was with him. We'll see that over and over again in Joseph's life. The Lord was with him and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And so the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those being held in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever, whatever he did. Let's pause there for just a moment. Man, does this seem like deja vu? <laughs> If you remember from last week and the last couple of weeks as we've been looking at the life of Joseph, it seems like Joseph has been there, done that, and gotten the t-shirt already, right? You know, he was sold into slavery uh, by his brothers, and then he was put in charge of Potiphar's house, right? Potiphar didn't concern himself with anything that was in, in Joseph's care, nothing at all. And it wasn't until Mrs. Potiphar, as we saw last week, uh, made advances towards Joseph and he rejected her advances that Potiphar uh, put him into jail. And so now, uh, even in jail, uh, Joseph takes a deep breath, he, he rolls up his sleeves and he begins to start putting in the hard work to do. And again, what we see here, along with Joseph's hard work, was that God was with him and he makes him have favor in the eyes of the warden. And so the warden puts Joseph in charge of the entire prison. <laughs> so he goes from the bottom back up to the top, at least of the prison. All right. Now, one level, Joseph's life makes no sense, right? It's like this does not make any sense to us at all. First, his father shows Joseph favor. He, he makes him that special coat of many colors that he gives to him to show that he is his favorite son. And, and what's the result of that? Family strife, right? His brothers hated him even more for it. 
Second, God gives Joseph this vision of his future life. Uh, and, and what's the result of that? More family strife. And in fact, they uh, plot to kill him and decide not to kill him, but to sell him into slavery instead. And he goes off to Egypt. So, so third, Joseph uh, is faithfully, he faithfully resists temptation, even uh, after Mrs. Potiphar makes her advances. And what's the result of him doing what was right? He's thrown into prison. <laughs> things like, it seems like the, things were going from bad to worse for Joseph. Could anything else go wrong? Well, sure. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> you see, while Joseph was in prison, he won the trust of his master. The warden put him in charge of all the other prisoners. God graced him with success. Over time, as he is there, Joseph begins to befriend uh, two other officials that were put into prison, a cupbearer and a baker for Pharaoh the king, uh, who were upset and downcast. And Joseph becomes friends with them um, and attends to their need. And, and even as we're going to see today, he interprets their God-inspired dreams for them. And, and what happens is that Joseph in prison is going to get forgotten <laughs> again. Now, both of these men, the cupbearer and the baker, they both had dreams on the very same night. And both of them were upset in the morning because they were in prison and there was no way they could uh, have somebody interpret their dreams or so they thought. And so Joseph comes in, he sees these guys and the, sees that they're upset. And, and because they're in his care, he says, hey guys, what's going on? Why are you guys so upset? What's happening to you? And so finally the cupbearer says, well, Joseph, man, we, I had this, this terrible dream last night and I don't know what it means. I don't have anybody to tell me what it means. So Joseph says, well, you know, Tell me what it means, and maybe I can give you an interpretation from God. And so the cupbearer says, well, I had this dream about this vine. And on this vine were these three branches. And when the, the grapes ripened on the vine, and I took them off, and I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and then I handed Pharaoh his cup back. And so this is what Joseph tells him. Look at the verses, uh, verse 12 there of Genesis 40. Joseph says, this is what it means. The three branches are three days. And within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will, be put in Pharaoh, you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Well, three days passed by. And just as Joseph told the cupbearer, the cupbearer was restored to his position in Pharaoh's palace. And Joseph makes this simple request, right? He says, hey, when everything goes well with you, don't forget about me. <laughs> Put in a good word for me. Mention me to Pharaoh. Maybe I can get out of this jail and maybe I can go and manage the kitchen or maybe uh, I can get a job driving uh, taxis, right? I can drive chariots, right? Uh, anything is better than where I am now. Well, the chief baker was also in prison. He also had a dream that very night as well. And so when he sees that the cupbearer has a favorable dream interpreted, he says, well, hey, hey, Joseph, check this out. I had a dream last night too. Uh, and I don't know what my dream meant. Maybe you can tell me what my dream meant. He said, I had these three baskets of bread and goodies on my head. 
And I was carrying them around, and all of a sudden, these birds started eating the bread out of these baskets. Hey, can you tell me what this means? Maybe it means in three days, I'm going to get out of here too. Well, the baker's dream wasn't as favorable as the cupbearer. Look at what Joseph tells them in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 40. He says, this is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift, you, will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Man, the baker probably regrets asking what his dream meant, <laughs> you know? And everything happened exactly as Joseph told him that it would. Exactly as God had given Joseph the interpretation of it being. Three days passed and Pharaoh lifted up the cupbearer's head from prison to his former position. He gave him his old job back. And three days later, Pharaoh lifted up the baker's head from his body. All Joseph had asked the cupbearer for was what? To remember him. Hey, put in a good word for me when all goes well with you. But the cupbearer, he forgot Joseph. But that was okay because God had bigger plans and bigger things in mind for Joseph. The, the cupbearer forgot Joseph and for almost two whole years, Joseph remains in jail. Remember, for doing what was right. And then he stays there forgotten. Here's another thing that doesn't make any sense. Joseph, he selfishly serves and befriends these two guys in jail. And what's he get for it? He gets forgotten and ignored. Man, could, could anything else happen to Joseph? What in the world is going on in Joseph's life? If anybody has reason to say, man, life is not fair, it, it was Joseph. So what is going on here? Well, what's going on here is patience production. God is working in Joseph's life. James tells us that uh, faith is produced through perseverance. Perseverance is produced through suffering, and it yields maturity. Paul says that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. God is refining Joseph. God is finishing Joseph. And the product is going to be a selfless, wise, radically God-centered man. And there will be no childish pride left in Joseph. There'll be no more deceit or deception or manipulation. The chain of his family sins that have been passed on from one generation to the next is going to be broken with Joseph. And Joseph will be ready for anything. He'll be ready to rule Egypt. He'll be ready to save an entire nation. And then he'll be ready to do the hardest thing that Joseph ever would have to do to forgive his brothers who sold him into slavery. So after interpreting these men's dreams, Joseph asked the cupbearer for him to put in a good word for him. And yet 
the guy forgets all about Joseph. But God was working to help Joseph to suffer successfully. So what principles can you and I learn from the example of Joseph? And what can we learn about suffering successfully? What, what would Joseph consider the secrets to suffering successfully? Well, I believe there are four things that we can learn from Joseph. First, if we want to learn to suffer successfully like Joseph, we must first learn to live by faith and not by sight. We must learn to live by faith and not by sight. Everything in Joseph's life looked out of order, right? Everything didn't compute, didn't make sense in Joseph's life. Blessings led to suffering. Faithfulness led to punishment. In times like these, oftentimes we begin to think that life is pointless. It is senseless. Faithfulness is pointless and God is absent. I might as well just strike out on my own and do my own thing. But friends, it's in these very moments that we must not. For we must trust in God and hold on to our faith. Because God, he is there. He is along the way. We, we see this in Joseph's life. Over and over again, we see those words like in, in, in Genesis uh, 39.2 where it says the Lord was with Joseph in Potiphar's house. And then again, we saw in verse 21 where it says the Lord was with Joseph in prison. All throughout Joseph's life, the Lord was with him even though it didn't look like he was. When God can't be seen or be felt, he must be believed in. When God can't be seen or felt, he must be trusted in. We must learn to live by faith and not by sight. Friends, if you are looking for a good resource to grow deeper in this idea of learning to suffer successfully, or uh, if you, you want to find some more resources on dealing with pain and suffering in your life, let me recommend a book to you. It's by a guy named C.S. Lewis. It's called The Problem with Pain. And in that book, he says this. He says, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pains. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I want you to listen to what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says in verse 6, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, that we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. We are, confident, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him talking about God, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Friends, it's easy for us to say these words and maybe even believe these words when things are going well in our life. But what about when everything is falling apart? Can we still say that our goal of our life is to please God? We can if we are living by faith and not 
by sight. It's in these times when everything is falling apart, when we must even more live by faith and not by sight. Friends, you cannot put your trust in your circumstances. You cannot put your trust in yourself. You cannot put your trust in wealth or position or title or in other people because, friends, all of those things will let you down. You will let you down. (laughs) Others will let you down. Your title will go away. Money won't last. Your circumstances are ever-changing. All of these things will not last and we cannot put our trust in. But what we can put our trust in is the only thing that remains faithful from ages to ages, and that is God and God alone. God alone is faithful. If Joseph lived by sight, he would have given up a long time ago (laughs) because his life didn't make any sense. But Joseph, he lived by faith. Friends, when his life went from bad to worse, he still trusted in God. When he was forgotten in a jail cell for doing what was right, he still trusted in God. Here at Journey Church, we put it this way. We say that we trust that Jesus is all that we need, being transformed by who he is and what he's done. That Jesus is all that we need. We trust that Jesus is all that we need. And friends, I know for some of you right now, it may seem like that Jesus is all that you got because everything else is falling apart in your life. Trust in Jesus. Trust that he is all that you need. Be transformed by who he is and what he has done. As Paul said, make it your goal. Whether you are at home in the body or away, make it your goal to live lives that are pleasing to God. To live lives that are pleasing to God. To live by faith and live pleasing to God. Friends, if we are going to suffer successfully like Joseph, we must learn to live by faith and not by sight. And secondly, we need to seek to serve in every situation, no matter what. We must seek to serve in every situation. Joseph, he served faithfully no matter where he found himself. He was in Potiphar's house in slavery. He served faithfully in Potiphar's house. He was in prison. He served faithfully. He attended Pharaoh's uh, officials and sought to bring them comfort when they were upset, when they were downcast. No matter where he found himself in life, he, he saw opportunities to serve in every situation. Friends, no matter where you are in life, seek for opportunities to serve other people because those opportunities are all around us every single day. Paul encourages us in Galatians chapter 6. In verse 9, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, God's time, (laughs) the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Friends, no matter what, no matter where, anywhere that you are, 
wherever you find yourself, no matter what's going on, no matter what circumstances you are facing, seek to serve other people. Don't become weary in doing good. Even when others don't thank you for doing good. Even when others uh, reject you and hurt you for doing good. Keep doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good. Seek opportunities to do good. Keep on serving other people no matter what. Here at Journey Church, we say it this way. We say that we follow the example of Jesus who sacrificed self for the needy, the hurting, and the lost. That This is how we put our faith into action. This is how we mobilize to help our community and our world, even when we are called to sacrifice and to suffer to meet their needs over our own. Friends, keep looking for opportunities to serve, even in the midst of your suffering. Even in the midst of your pain, keep looking for opportunities to serve other people. If Joseph hadn't done this, he would have ignored these guys, right? I mean, Joseph was in prison for doing what was right. He had been sold into slavery by his own family. Joseph easily could have said, ah, good luck, guys. But instead... No matter what situation Joseph found himself in, he chose to keep on serving, even when his life was falling apart. He kept seeking opportunities to serve and care for other people. Friends, let's do the same because this is what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has suffered to put your needs and my needs above his own. Jesus does not promise us that life will be full of roses, in fact, he says that if we follow him, that we will suffer. In fact, he says that if we want to follow him, then we must first die to ourselves. And if we want to continue to follow him, then we must die to ourselves daily to follow him. Jesus has shown us by putting our needs over his own, the example that we should live for other people. He has sacrificed and suffered for us that we're hurting and lost and needy. And friends, if we are a follower of Jesus, then we must follow his example and sacrifice self for the needs of others. Friends, if we are going to learn to suffer successfully like Joseph, we must learn to, to live by faith and not by sight. We must seek to serve in every situation. And third, we must apply our spiritual gifts to our current circumstances. We must apply our spiritual gifts to our current circumstances. Not the circumstances that will be, not the circumstances that have been, but our current circumstances. With Joseph's administrative abilities, he should have had a corporate job. He should have been second in command of all of Egypt. He will, but what did he do? God has him apply his gifts in slavery and imprisonment. Without the title, without the recognition, without the money, God has him apply his administrative skills in imprisonment and in slavery. 
A guy with Joseph's spiritual sensitivity deserved a place with the wise men, and God has him interpreting the dreams of inmates. Here's the principle. Accept even imperfect opportunities to express your spiritual gifts. Accept even imperfect opportunities to express your spiritual giftedness. Friends, you know, oftentimes we, we think that we are too good to serve in certain situations, in certain circumstances. Can I be real with you for just a moment? I think that when I and when you think that we are too gifted to serve in this area or that area, I, I think we probably need to do a heart check. I need to do a heart check when I think that I'm too gifted to serve in this area or that area because I'm afraid that I'm only looking to serve myself and not serve others and not serve God. God calls us to use our spiritual gifts in our curtain, curtain circumstances Not that we aren't going to grow and develop, not that God isn't going to have other things in store for us, but God is calling you to serve and to use your spiritual giftedness right here and now in your current circumstances. So be careful that you aren't seeking to simply serve yourself. Jesus warns us of this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have your reward from your Father in heaven. And then Jesus goes on to give us some examples of the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees, they would only give to the needy when other people could see them give. The the Pharisees would, would go out into the middle of the street when it was the hour of prayer so that everyone could see and hear them pray out in front of everybody else and say, look at me. The Pharisees, when they fasted, they made sure that everybody knew it. Jesus says, be careful not to, to do your righteousness, to practice your righteousness, just to be seen by other people. Friends, check your heart. And make sure that you aren't practicing your righteousness just to be seen. Do a heart check and make sure that you are willing to use your spiritual gifts in your current circumstances, no matter what your circumstances are. Friends, if we are going to learn to suffer successfully like Joseph, we must live by faith and not by sight. We must, uh, we must seek to, to serve in every situation We need to use our spiritual gifts in our current circumstances. And then finally, this must be, this might be the hardest one. We must learn to wait on the Lord. I am an impatient person. You can ask Suzanne. (laughs) I want things done right now. I know I'm done my way, right? But over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture, we see, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Look back at Genesis chapter 40, at verse 14. Listen to Joseph's words. He almost sounds desperate here, but maybe you would too. 
He says, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show kindness, mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcefully carried off here to the land from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Joseph sounds desperate, but, but if you were Joseph, you probably would too. I know I would. But somehow, some way, he wants out of this prison. But God's timing is perfect. And trying to push his timetable forward often only results in added frustration. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. As I said over and over again, we see this in Scripture. In Psalm 27, verse 14, it says, Wait on the Lord and be strong and take heart and wait on the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people, uh, when, when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. Jesus calls us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. He says, can anyone of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And then in verse 33, he says, but seek first his, talking about God's kingdom, and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble in its own. And then James, in James chapter 4, verse 13, James says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow I'll go to this or that city and spend a year there and carry out business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Over and over again in Scripture, Thomas <laughs> needs to hear this command of God to wait on the Lord and to trust in the Lord. Joseph may have wanted to push God's timetable, but God's timing is always perfect. I heard a quote this week. It says that, it says, ah, oh, man, I got to pull it up now. About God's timing. I shared it on Facebook. It says, God is never late. He is rarely early. And he is always exactly on time. God's timetable is perfect. Later on in Joseph's life, he will look back at this time and he will understand that God's timetable is perfect. He will reflect back on this time and understand how God was working to shape Joseph into the leader that he could use and putting Joseph in the time and place that he could use him to save his family. But right then and there, as Joseph sat in jail, it must have been hard for him to see how God was working. And yet Joseph, Joseph trusted and waited on God still. A few years back, a good friend of mine, Mr. Paul Spencer, passed away. And 
Mr. Paul taught me a lot of different things, but one of the things that he taught me was this lesson that we're learning in Joseph's life, that God is always working. And Mr. Paul would always talk about how God was working in and through this situation in his life, how God had, had opened these doors and closed these doors, how God was working and moving in his life in these times. And I asked him one day, I said, Mr. Paul, I, I, I got to know. Man, how did you know that God was working in your life in those situations? How did you know that God was opening doors and closing doors? How did you know that he was moving in and through you uh, in this time? And he just smiled and said, Thomas, I didn't know at the time, but I do now. Friends, Joseph, he must not have knew while he was sitting in jail what God was doing. But later on, he was able to go back and see. Friends, I don't know what you have gone through. I don't know what you are going through. And I surely don't know what you will go through. I can't begin to comprehend the suffering that you have faced. But friends, I do know that you don't have to face it alone. We at Journey Church, we want to walk side by side through the messiness of your life with you. We want to help you to learn, like Joseph, to suffer successfully. And friends, if we're going to suffer successfully like Joseph, we have to learn to live by faith and not by sight. We have to seek to serve in every situation. We need to use our spiritual gifts in our current circumstances, and we need to learn to wait on the Lord, and we need to learn that we don't need to face it alone, that we need each other. We need each other. Friends, if you aren't suffering right now, would you praise God? Would you praise God that you're not suffering? And then after you've gotten done praising God, would you look around? Because I would venture to say that you will see somebody who is. And maybe you need to call them this week. And maybe you need to say, hey, how are you doing? Or maybe you need to invite them out to lunch and show them that they aren't alone in the midst of their suffering and their pain so that we all can learn from Joseph to suffer successfully and to do it together. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you that Joseph, he lived by faith and not by sight because if he was living by sight, he would have given up a long time ago. We thank you for the example that he has given us to trust in you and to wait on you and to, to seek to serve in every situation that he found himself in and to, to use his, his, giftedness, his giftedness no matter what's, what situation and what circumstances he was in. So Father, help us to learn from his example. Help us that even when we have a hard time seeing how you are working and shaping and molding us in our life and in our faith and how you are producing perseverance and character and hope, Father, help us to trust. Help us to trust in you even when we can't see it. Help us to trust in you even when we can't understand it. Help us to lean on you even when it doesn't make any sense.
Father, you are the creator and sustainer, the savior of everything that ever has been, that is, and that will be. You are all powerful, the beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega. Who are we? That you would be mindful of us. That you would consider us. Father, we may not understand the suffering and hardships that we are facing and going through, but Father, help us to trust in you despite. Help us to lean not in our own understanding, but to lean in yours. Help us to seek you for wisdom and peace and strength. Help us not grow weary in doing good, but help us to seek to do good in every situation. Help us to make it the goal of our lives to live pleasing to you. Whether we are at home in the body or away with you. Father, would you be with my brothers and sisters that are, are hearing this this morning who are, are going through it? Would you surround them today, this week, with your, their brothers and sisters that will come alongside of them, they'll put their arm around them, they'll help walk through the messy steps of this life together. Father, remind us that even though we are all heading in the same direction, that we are going at different speeds. Some of us have fallen over and need to be picked up. Some of us need to be carried. Some of us need to be pushed. And Father, we thank you that you have given us each other, that we don't have to suffer through this life alone. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and the example that he has given us. And we ask all of this in his name. Amen. For as Jesus has given us the ultimate example of suffering to put the needs of others, mainly us, above his own. You see, Jesus, he humbled himself, taking on the form of man, humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that you and I can be forgiven, so that you and I can be washed clean, so that you and I can have our sins removed from us. And friends, as we move into our time of communion, we get to reflect and to remember that sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. We get to remember the suffering that Jesus has done for us. The bread and the cup, they remind us of that. So if you are a follower of Jesus, we invite you to join us in this time of communion. If you didn't grab communion on your way in, you can raise your hand. I think Jeff and Kevin are there in the back. They can bring that to you. But take this time to examine yourself, to repent of your sins. And when you're ready, let's remember and proclaim Jesus' suffering that he did for us, his death, his burial, and let's celebrate his resurrection that gives us life, that gives us forgiveness. And friends, if you're here and you've never heard that before, I want you to know that Jesus suffered for you and for me. He died on the cross for you 
for me. So that you, even though you are a sinner just like I am, so that you can be forgiven, can be washed clean, so that you can be brought back into a right relationship with God. And if you never put your trust in him, won't you come today and put your trust in him for the first time? Won't you come today and repent of your sins and turn away from them and die to them and die to yourself and come and follow Jesus, meeting him in baptism? Friends, if you're ready to come and be a follower of Jesus, I'm going to be out in the lobby. Won't you come and talk with me today? Won't you come and give your life to Jesus today? Friends, when you're ready, let's partake in communion together. If you need somebody to pray with you, if you have a decision to make, please come and let's talk today.